Hello, ladies. It's so wonderful to be with you today. So we are here in the book of Isaiah. We have covered a lot of ground already. We have studied in the past weeks. We've gotten the overview about, um, we've been introduced to Isaiah as a prophet by whom God gives knowledge of salvation to his people. Isaiah is calling to the people and reminding them of the salvation of the Lord. He is encouraging them, come this way, turn around. The Lord is speaking to his people, choose life, choose life. And in this week's lesson, we see the depths of the Israelites' sin and the overwhelming grace and goodness of our holy God. Our God, who we learned last week, is our Father, who loves us so, and he loves his people, and he wants his people to come to know what he will do with their repentant heart if they will just turn to him. But first, we must see and sit in the gravity of their sin and ours and bear the weight of the holiness of God. This is serious business, friends. Something that we might wish that we could move through very quickly. But it is crucial. It is crucial for us to sit and acknowledge our sin before our holy God so that we can see the absolute depths of God's great love and heart for his children and his people. So we are going to, some of the verses that we covered last week, I just wanted to go over a little bit because here is what we are going to see, the depth of the sin that the people have fallen into. So we are in Isaiah chapter 1, and we are talking about, um, Isaiah is speaking here to the people, and he is saying, Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth. Sons I have reared up and brought up, and they have revolted against me. The ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. And then he is asking them again, where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? They keep going and going. And he gives them this word picture. The whole head is sick, talking about like their body, their, bo their physical body, their spiritual body, and their body as a community, as a body of the people of God. He says the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even up to the head. Everywhere, there is nothing sound on it, nothing that is untouched by sin, only bruises and welts and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged or softened with oil. Ladies, we see here that this picture 
of how far they have fallen. They have revolted. They don't even know their God, their master, their father who loves them so. They have lost all understanding or comprehension even of all that they have learned from God's word, his law, of how they should live, how much he loves them. They cannot even comprehend it at this point to work it into their lives. They do not even know their master. The people are weighed down with the iniquity of their own sin. What does it say here? They act corruptly. They abandon the Lord. They despised him. How? By they're worshiping idols. They are bringing in from all around the other idols and deities that people are worshiping. And that's who they're going to. That's who they're praying to. That's who they're worshiping. They have abandoned their God, their Father, the Holy One. And be turning away, their whole being is sick. Their very person and soul is in desolation. And it seems as if they could not go any lower. They are dragging themselves at this point under the weight of their sin. To do what? To sin more. Ladies, I just wanted to show you a picture of desolation. The, just the absolute desolation that these people were living in. No life, deadness, and even little fires burning of what? More areas that they continued to sin and brought darkness to their soul and their whole being. I want to throw in just a little bit of hope here, and we're going to look at verse 9. And the Lord, it says, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. Unless the Lord. In the New Testament, we see it often, but God, despite all the sin and rejection, unless the Lord of hosts had left us some survivors, which he did, he leaves a, rem a remnant. Even though Isaiah is telling the people of what destruction is going to come, he also talks about how, how long they will be in captivity, but that they will be brought back. And it is the Lord of hosts who will do it. I just wanted us to catch our breath there because we had been going through a lot of the awfulness and grimness of sin. But then we look. It seems like they couldn't go any lower. But then we are reading in verse 13 of Isaiah 1. God calls them out on their hypocrisy. Bring your worthless offerings no more. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity, sin and the solemn assembly. He cannot endure the fact that they bring their sin to these feasts that were for him, the assemblies that were to bring him worship and glory. And the people are just coming in. They're dragging their bodies that are weighed down with sin and their bodies that have this sickness that they haven't bothered to bind up and to bring before the Lord. 
He says, I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered in blood. Clearly, the Lord calls them out. They are coming before him. They are coming into his temple like they are clean and like they love him and they know him, but they do not. They think that they are not being seen clearly by their great God. But here's the truth, ladies. God does see clearly. God does see rightly. And he has had enough. He says no longer. No longer will he tolerate it. No longer will he endure. So when they spread out their hands, he will hide his eyes. How can he look upon their sinful, hip hypocritic um, prayers? He will not. And even though you do them, say them over and over, almost like the chanting that they do for, um, for the idols that other people would do as they are worshiping, they chant. The Lord will not hear that. He tells them that their hands are covered with blood. All of their sinning has them stained. So we come with all of this, this awfulness, the depths of the sin, and they come not with sincere hearts, but with empty souls, deceiving themselves that God does not see. They are desolate. This paints a terribly, horribly picture of their state. And about this time, as we look and we see their sin so clearly, I think that we have to look and to say, is this a picture of us as well? This is not a fun-filled message, friends. But in this time, I think that we are going through in our world, a lot of agitation stirs up a lot of stuff. And a lot of stuff that we need to look at comes to the surface. Would you agree? I think here we need to take a hard, honest look at our lives and hearts. How do we revolt and abandon and turn away from God, our Father? How do we forget and lose our knowledge and lose what we know and our great love of our master and forget who is our master? When did we stop living in and using the truth that we know of our God for our understanding of him and how to live in obedience to him? Which wounds are we refusing to bring to him for binding up and healing? And in doing so, we try to find other things to stave off the pain. And that leads us into more areas of sin before our great God, because we're not going to him. Which sins are we leaving raw and putrid and festering before our great God, because we don't want to look at them and confess them? It just brings up a lot of stuff. And what are we willing to look at and bring before him? I think in my own life, uh, many, but the, the one I'll share with you at this point is I just feel like a, a comfort. I like my comfort. 
of my life. I don't know that I really want to move out of that into doing things that are uncomfortable or changing things. But I don't want to miss God's healing and his rooting out that in my life. I don't want to come before him hanging on to that or pretending like he doesn't see it. Ladies, let's come to confess because if we continue, just as the Israelites did in their rebellious ways, we forget who we are coming before, our good, good Father and our most holy God. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 6, 1 to 7. And the reason why I want to go here, I know that we talked about it a little bit in the first, the first week, but I just want to read this to you, because, and I want you to think and remember who it is that we're coming before and who the Israelites had forgotten and how great God is. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord, this is Isaiah speaking, sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, having six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one another, and one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Ladies, holy, holy, holy. Three times they declare that. Three times. And it will not be missed that our God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow is holy, holy, holy. It declares God to be utterly unique and supreme in his moral excellence and greatness. And even the seraphim, the most elevated of all angels, cover themselves in the presence of our holy God. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is what they repeat and call out to one another. And this just, this just popped into my head as I was studying this little brief thought. I, what do I do? And what do you do? And what do we do as followers of Christ our Lord? What do we call out about our God? Do we call out and remind each other? He is holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do we remind ourselves and humble ourselves before him? Are we humbled and reverent and overwhelmed by his holiness in my life and in yours? So much so that all I could do is fall before him? When we lose our focus, our heart awareness, of the holiness of God. When we lose the, he is so far above us-ness, when we lose that of who it is we are coming before, who we are dragging our sinful body in front of to confess and praise and worship, 
we lose our perspective. We lose seeing really how we are and really how he is. And this disparity, this disparity, Isaiah is driven to utter depths of humility and remorse and repentance and fear and dread. He is in the next part where he says, Woe is me, I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. What brought him to this place? He says, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw the Lord in all his majesty and glory and holiness, and all he could do is fall on his face and say, Woe is me. Ladies, do we see the King? Do we see the holy, holy, holy God? that drive us to our knees, our heart broken over our own sin? If we do not see him clearly, then we will not see ourselves clearly, and we will not be falling at his feet for mercy, and we will not be knowing that it is only due to his great mercy and compassion and saving hand and great love that salvation comes. I have no hope before a holy God, except for his mercy, his reaching out, his cleansing, that he offers his Israelites here, and that we know for telling that we have through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, his cleansing is what makes us clean, his death on the cross, his sacrifice, his payment for my sin, and yours. He is the only one who can make us clean. He can take our crimson, scarlet, blood-covered hands and make them white as snow and as wool. He alone is the forgiver, the merciful. He alone. Lord, show me Show me what is keeping me from having that gratitude in my heart that has me fall at your feet and bend in obedience to you. So ladies, as we see this great despair, I mean, it's so big, the people of Israel and in their sin, right? Weighed down. And the holiness and the greatness of God so what does our holy God do? Let's go back to chapter 1. Because in chapter 1, he tells them, 16, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the easel deeds from my sight, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. He calls them out onto the things that they were doing, trying to say, sure, make yourself clean. Can they? Absolutely not. And then he was calling them on, this is what his people should be doing in service to their great God, seeking justice, doing good, all the things that they were not doing. 
he calls to them. And they cannot clean themselves. And he says, come now, this is our great God. This is the heart. Can you hear the heart of the Father? Can you hear the heart of the loving Lord right here? He says, come now, in verse 18, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat of the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Truly, he says, come let us reason together. Ladies, after them hearing how much he loved them, he's their loving father, he is their holy God, and the way that they rejected him, what have they to say? They can say nothing. They can say nothing. But he calls them to wash themselves and clean and remove the evil deeds from his sight. But they could never do it on their own. They needed a new heart for that kind of change. They needed holy cleansing, which only he can give. They needed a total, not a makeshift cleaning. Remember back to all they had brought on themselves. The walking dead, really. When we abandon our great God, we walk away from the light and the life. There is just darkness and desolation. God doesn't want to leave us there. He doesn't want to leave us there. He doesn't want us to continue to kid ourselves that he cannot see me or that he really won't look at this part of my sin. Let's take a long, honest look, friends, at ladies, what we are glossing over, not cutting out things like maybe our pride or our need to be right. We want it to be gone so that the love of God can come and heal and put oil and bind up those wounds. So let's turn our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our souls to the Holy One. Let's let our hearts be torn apart by grief over our sin. And let us not miss His holiness in front of us. Let us grieve over what shows, what shows up in our heart as our ungratefulness for the Lord's fatherly care and whatever keeps us from bending to him. Ladies, friends, throw yourself on the mercy of the Holy of Holies. Throw yourself at the throne of his compassion and his forgiveness and his great love that he offers. Throw your whole unclean self on him. He calls us to that. Come, turn, come to me. Let us open our arms and our hearts to his salvation. Let's bring our hands before him that he may clean them, that we may lift them up in praise with the cleanliness of Christ. Christ's righteousness is poured over us. Let us
us be willing to to be obedient and choose life from him and live in his forgiveness, his cleansing that makes us as white as snow. When you think of white as snow, what do you picture? The picture that comes to mind of me is, for me, is especially here in the Midwest, right? That first snow that is so soft and gentle and peaceful as it covers everything. It's peaceful. The white snow is purity and cleanliness and calm. This is what comes into our souls as we rest in him. This is what comes into our souls, ladies. This purifying care and grace and love that only can come from God. He will take away the stain, right? Through the blood of the lamb. I wonder if the people of Judah, when they heard these words and he said the wool of the sacrificial lamb that had to be perfect and pure, that took away the sin. And our perfect and pure Jesus Christ who cleanses us. Ladies, may that truth, that overwhelming goodness of our great God showing his love for you, move you to your knees to confess that you may praise and receive his forgiveness and live in that truth that you are forgiven that you want to follow and be in obedience to your great God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Ladies, if you're in Christ, you have been washed clean. If you have not yet come to him, friends, fall at his feet. He will forgive. You are white as snow. Live in that truth, ladies. And I pray that you will find joy in his salvation. That is your salvation in Christ. Go this week. Live in that truth that the Lord's salvation he brings to you. And you are white as snow.